Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 949 of the Juicebox Podcast. Sometimes I have so much trouble recording these. Um, this is one of those times. Katie is an adult. She's had type 1 diabetes for nearly two decades. She grew up with a mom who was um, suffering, and she did not have a ton of help from her parents. Her health was questionable during that time. She's doing much better now, and this is her story. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you'd like to get five free travel packs and a year's supply of vitamin D, you can do that with your first order of AG1. But you need to use my link, drinkag1.com forward slash juice box. And you can save 35% off your entire order at cozyearth.com when you use the offer code juicebox. I went back and forth about this one being an after dark, but I think it qualifies. The podcast is sponsored today by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service and is 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. BetterHelp.com forward slash juice box. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. And when you use my link, you'll save 10% on your first month of therapy. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. Talk to them however you feel comfortable, text, chat, phone, or video call. If your therapist isn't the right fit, for any reason at all, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. And the best part for me is that with BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you. And you're going to get more scheduling flexibility and a more affordable price. BetterHelp.com forward slash juice box. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash juice box. Save 10% on your first month of therapy. So my name is Katie. I've been a type 1 diabetic for almost 17 years now. Um, I'm from Washington State. And I was recently married in September and now live in in Texas with my husband. Just got married. How old are you? I am 29 as of last week. 29. You were diagnosed when you were 12? 12, yep. Oh, well, happy birthday. At math, yep. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's 9 minus 7. It's, <laughs> it's not that hard. <laughs> so, um, But thank you. I do appreciate the, the compliment. So you're 29. You were diagnosed when you were 12. Um, is this your first time living not in the... Uh, the upper Northwest? Um, I grew up in Washington, but then I was kind of, you know, a little bit all over the place. I, I moved to New Mexico after um, I graduated from college. Mm -hmm. And so I spent a couple years in New Mexico and that's where I actually met my, my husband. Um, and then we moved to West Texas for a couple of years and then more recently moved to South Texas. 
Very nice. When you said you were a little all over the place, did you mean geographically or personally? Probably both. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Probably. Probably probably both. (laughs) Yeah. How, um, let's think. How about your family? Let's start there. Are there other autoimmune issues or anybody else with type 1? Nobody else with type 1, but there are some like thyroid, you know, Graves disease, other kind of thyroid issues on my mom's side of the family. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, my grandma on that side, my aunt and my mom all have had thyroid problems. And so the doctors think that maybe that could have something to do with with my type 1. Well, it's an, I mean, it's obviously an indicator that autoimmune issues run in the family. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you remember them having problems growing up? Or is it just a thing you know now because you have type 1? Um, I don't remember them having problems growing up. It was just something that, like, after I was diagnosed, looking back on it, it seemed like, oh, hey, maybe that played a, played a role. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's an indicator, right? Like, it's not mm-hmm. like it's not like them having hyperthyroidism, for example, gives you type 1 diabetes. It's just that genetically you guys are more predisposed to having autoimmune issues. Um, yeah, well... And then I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism as well, like a couple years after I was diagnosed with type 1. Yeah, you don't want to get out of the club. I mean, if it's going <laughs> to probably felt left out at some Yeah, you're probably like, oh, I hope I get thyroid issues so I can be like everybody else. Um, how old were you when you got the hypothyroidism? Um, so it's interesting because I think I was first diagnosed when I was maybe like 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. And then I was on um, Synthroid for a year or two until the doctors told me, you know, you're too borderline to continue taking it. And so they stopped it. Um, And then it wasn't until a couple years ago, maybe two years ago now that I started back up on it. At the time, I didn't probably pay as close attention to the lab work as I should have. And knowing now, like, I wish I would have never let the doctor take me off of it because I was still experiencing like a lot of those you know, typical hypothyroid symptoms, and I probably needed it. But um, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. That's super interesting. So you they had you managed well. And then some lab results that somebody obviously didn't understand very well made them take you off of it. But once you started having, I mean, did you just restart your experiences that you were having? Like, did the Synthroid stop it? And then without the Synthroid, it was back? Well, I was a lot younger when I was first on it. Like I was 14 or 15. And so I wasn't paying a lot of attention to the symptoms at the time. It was more just, you know, the doctor said that I need this medication. So I'm going to go ahead and take it. And, you know, my parents went ahead and started me on that medication. Right. Um, And so I think it was maybe that I switched physicians and the new physician told me that, hey, I don't know why they started you on this. You don't actually need it or whatever it was. And so... When they said that, me just trusting the doctor, I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe it fixed itself or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. And then you're a kid and you don't, like, you're probably just happy not to take a pill. Yeah, and it just kind of, like, left my brain. And then it wasn't until maybe three, four years ago that I started kind of Googling some of the symptoms that I was having. um, And... It, I came up with hypothyroidism and that's when I was like, Hey, I think at one point I actually was taking medication for that. And then went back, retested my thyroid and started up again. Katie, you are outlining one of my major fears about being a parent. It's, <laughs> what is that? Well, I'll tell you, L- luckily for you, I'm, I'm ready to talk. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Katie. I can talk about anything. Um, but th- I'm being serious. This, this is a, a, 
an actual concern of mine that I spent years, days, weeks, months, whatever, figuring out something for my kids. And then once they're not around me anymore, they forget about it or some doctor waylays them or something happens. And then they begin to experience these issues over again and have to go back through the process of figuring it out. I, I honestly, that's one of my concerns about my kids getting older. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I get it. And it, I went basically a whole decade with, without a medication that I probably should have been on the whole time. Yeah. See that I, I just, this is, I'm, I'm overusing the phrase, but that, that breaks my heart. Like it really does that, that you were because of the lost time, because you yeah. had a thing figured out, you, you know, and then you had to go back through it again for 10 years it just sucks. Anyway, I'll, I'll drop in here. If your TSH is over two and you have symptoms, don't let a doctor tell you that you're in range. That's all. Uh, those are, there's my thoughts about that, right? Okay. So um, what do you remember about getting the diabetes? Um, so I was 12 at the time. Um, and I remember that I had all those typical type one symptoms. I had a lot of, you know, the weight loss, really thirsty, um, peeing constantly in the middle of the night, all of that. And it's, it's interesting because I always mention this whenever I tell people about my diagnosis story that that same year in our PE class, we would run a mile in the beginning of the year and then run a mile at the end of the year. Um, and I was in really good shape as a child. I was a gymnast growing up. And so like, you know, I really did well that in the beginning of the year for that first mile, I think I would ran, I don't know, a seven minute mile or under seven minute mile. And the mile at the end of the year was actually a couple weeks before I was diagnosed. Mm -hmm. So that mile was like 12 or 13 minutes compared to, you know, the time that I had in the beginning of the year before diabetes. So that was kind of one thing looking back where it's like, well, it makes sense if you're in DKA, DKA that mile is you know, yeah. it's going to be a lot longer. <laughs> Thank you. Uh -huh. It takes a lot more effort to get around the track. I couldn't do it with or without diabetes. I don't have diabetes, but trust me, if I did, I don't think it would be any slower than it was already. Not much of yeah. a run. Was this part of the president's physical fitness challenge? Did that still exist when you were in high school? Um, I was in middle school, so yeah. I think this was seventh grade. Um, I'm not sure if it was a fitness challenge or if it, or if it was just something that our PE teacher did at the time like as, as part of, you know, his class. But, mm -hmm. but I do remember that my whole family was like, why did it take you so much longer to run that last mile as compared to the one in the beginning of the year? So, yeah, you know, no kidding. Well, yeah. well that, and, and so once you notice that, does that like make everybody sit around and go, Hmm, I wonder what that is about. Or was it just the thing you remember being said and then it, it got lost? I think a little bit of both. Um, I would say that, there were a couple other things that also added to that suspicion. So um, when I was in grade, one of the big things that I think prompted my parents to take me into the doctor was that um, I went to a football game, like a middle school football game with a friend of mine and her parents. Mm -hmm. And the parent had mentioned to my mom or dad or whoever at the time that I sat and drank probably like 15 Coca-Colas within the span of the football game. Like, no exaggeration, 15 Coca-Cola cans 
because I was just constantly going back to the the snack stand and just so thirsty that it really like rang some bells in in that parent's head. Yeah. Um, Can you imagine them and- sitting there that whole time being like, there's something really wrong with this kid? Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> that's, that's exactly that's exactly what it was. And so um, basically there was there was a morning where our entire extended family was supposed to go to the pumpkin patch that day, actually, the day that I was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And I think my parents thought just bring her in, make sure everything's okay, um, just to be sure. And, you know, they brought, brought me into the pediatrician's office and explained some of the symptoms that I was having when the pediatrician tested my blood sugar. And it was like, I don't know, well over 600 or, or whatever it was. Um, and so no pumpkin patch that day. But... <laughs> But I did get, you know, sent straight to the ER. Hold on a second, so. Katie. Something just went past my house that rumbled the entire, like, block. People oh, people, people have to, like, calm down a little with the, I want my car to sound exciting. So you, wait a minute. So hold on a second. You actually got a good diagnosis then. Like, you, you were with a, an adult who wasn't your parent who was like, there's something wrong. They told your parents who went, okay, that does sound crazy. And you went to a doctor who was like, that sounds like diabetes. And I'll check your blood sugar. You have a like a good diagnosis story. For the most part, well, yeah. I mean, that there part were of it. Things, <laughs> there were other things, yeah, that my parents picked up on. So I would say that I think the other parent mentioning it to my parents was kind of the tip of the iceberg where they were like, okay, that's it. We're taking her in. Okay. Um, but the one thing that I will mention is, although the pediatrician did send me straight to the hospital, like... Before we went to the pediatrician's office, I was just, I was thirsty all the time. And one of my favorite things to drink was like those strawberry cream frappuccinos from Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And so my parents convinced me to go into the doctor's office by telling me I could have one after we left. Smart. Um, and the pediatrician was like, oh yeah, that's fine. You can stop at Starbucks, grab, grab her sugary drink on the way to the ER with a 600 blood sugar. So I always think that that's interesting looking back being like the pediatrician sees I'm clearly, you know, type one diabetic with blood sugar over 600, but it's still like, yeah, no worries. Go ahead and get her 80 grams of sugar on the way to the hospital. (laughs) Probably thinking, I'll let the kid have one last big sugary drink without thinking about it ever. You know, I don't, who knows? Or maybe they don't know the difference and, or maybe they saw your parents who were like, Oh God, I know what's coming. Or did your parents not understand diabetes at all? Um, I think that they had kind of a general understanding. Um, I had grandparents that had type two. So I, their understanding was more with type two. And so that's why they were able to recognize some of those symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, But as far as type one goes, I think that it was, it was a pretty big learning curve for, for everybody. I see. How long did it take for the things that you mentioned in your notes to start happening? Things that I mentioned in my notes. Oh, oh, this is fun because you signed up six months ago. You don't remember what you wrote at all. Do you? Oh, I probably, yeah. I mean, I probably just mentioned that, you know, I really struggled throughout my teen years with, with management and, and things like that, which, which is true. I would say that for the first year or two after my diagnosis, things were okay. Things were not great, but my A1Cs were maybe seven or eight. Okay. Um, and so, and I think I had, I had a good amount of support at that time. And then once I started high school, I think that's when things really started to like drop off. And how does it, how does that begin? Like what, what's, 
like if you think back on it now, hindsight, what happened first? Like because you're talking here about um you use the words non-compliance, mental health issues, talk about family mm-hmm. dynamics, diabolemia. Like, do you can you look back and see the first warning sign of any of this? Yeah, I think that there's probably a few different things, but one would be that I actually had a seizure around that time. Um, so I was having a sleepover with, you know, a friend of mine and basically had a seizure in my sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was kind of a, a scary experience for me. And looking back, I think that that may be just not even subconsciously almost just made me fearful of going below a certain number. And then my blood sugars were just running higher after that. Sure. Um, and then also just kind of starting high school, I remember not wanting to bolus in front of people, not wanting to feel any, any different than the other kids. Like, I mean, it was, it was one thing in middle school when it was a much smaller group of kids. I think there were like 30 kids in my eighth grade class. And so I didn't feel as much pressure to like hide things, but I just remember feeling like I needed to hide my diabetes from people um, once I started high school. So not only are you, are you not hiding, but you had this experience that led you to think like, well, I don't want my blood sugar to go this low again. So everything is lending itself to not caring uh, caring is the wrong word, not using insulin the way you should be. Yeah, definitely. Right? And I also, I mean, maybe didn't fully realize that at the time that that was what was actually happening. Um, and then once I started to run like certain numbers, once I started to get into those really higher numbers, I remember just feeling like a lot of guilt and really like shameful that my numbers were so high mm-hmm. and feeling like I couldn't control them. Cause I think I was, once you run high for a certain amount of time, your body is just, it's, it's hard to get those back down. Your body gets used to it. Yeah. There's no, um, it doesn't signal to you anymore and you don't mm-hmm. realize that you're altered. Nope. Yeah. Not at all. Well, so, well, let me, let me ask you a question about that. So as we're talking about it now, do you even see it? Like, the seizure happens, you think, oh, I want to be a little higher. Then you get self-conscious, and then, well, what do I do? I hide the diabetes, means I don't use insulin as much. And then these things, like, just sort of, then your blood sugar gets higher, you get accustomed to that, and it, it happens almost silently, right? Like, it, I mean, we're talking about it now, so it's easy to segment it out and point to it. But while it's happening to you, you don't recognize any of that happening, I imagine. No, I I did not recognize any of that happening at the time. I knew that my blood sugars weren't good. Like in the moment, I knew that my blood sugars were bad, but I didn't really understand like why or what was going on with me and to recognize like what was happening. And I also just remember feeling like I constantly had to hide my blood sugars or if I tested and I was five or 600, like feeling just so bad about the number that instead of just being like, okay, well, let's deal with it and bring it back down. Like it, instead it led me to just not want to test my blood sugar at all. Ah, Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So so these things happen, they lead you in a direction, that direction, you're not unaware that you've arrived at it. So you're like, okay, now you feel wrong. I'm doing the wrong thing or I'm not doing well enough or whatever the feelings are. And Mm -hmm. then it just keeps building. Then you feel guilty, ashamed, I imagine, too. 
Yep. Guilty, ashamed. And then, you know, I went through different stages of trying to bring it back down. Like I knew that I wanted to be healthy and I knew that it, I wasn't in the ideal situation. Um, and that it, it wasn't, it wasn't doing anything good for my body. Right. Like you hear about all these complications from your doctors and your parents and everything. So I remember trying to bring it back down, but then almost feeling as soon as something went wrong, or as soon as I would get back over 200 or 300 or whatever number, um, kind of throwing my hands up and being like, I'm never going to be able to do this. I can't do this, you know, like, and then going back into that cycle of just not taking care of myself, not wanting to see the numbers, not wanting to deal with it, like being in denial. That failure then, after you try to address it and and it doesn't work out for you, then that failure just drives you back in the other direction again. Plus, is this where is this where an eating disorder comes in? Yeah, I would say that that probably came in a little bit later, um, towards like the end of high school, maybe beginning of college, even, um, and. That I think really fed from the fact that my body got so used to running with such high blood sugars that every time I would try and bring them back down, like I would immediately just like swell up. So I know that 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 sounds like crazy, but I would say spend three days with my blood sugar back down in a normal range. Like my body hated it. It got so used to those high blood sugars that I just felt like crap. Mm -hmm. Like Like you were low, even though you were at a reasonable number. I wouldn't even say like, maybe I would feel kind of low, but it was more that like, I got so puffy and I don't know if that's like common for diabetics or if that happens, you know, frequently when people try and bring their numbers down after spending so long high, but like serious, serious fluid retention to the point where like my skin is tight and uncomfortable and that actually like once I eventually did get my numbers back down I had to go through months of like really uncomfortable um I don't know if it's necessarily neuropathy because I don't have those symptoms anymore um but like shooting pains in my legs fluid retention and just feeling really lethargic even and just sick all the time like nauseous i felt sick constantly Hmm. that's interesting so you're trying to do the right thing then your body's almost feeling to you like it's signaling that this is the wrong thing but you intellectually you know it's right so you push through it eventually yeah and i think that i mean that wasn't until i was maybe 24 so i I spent a good decade with a1c's between like 10 and 14 probably well i'm sorry you um you uh, I just lost you for a minute between A1C between 10 and 10 and 14, probably 14. for about a decade. Wow. Do you have any health impacts from that? Yeah. I mean, I, I do. I've got um, a little bit of like pots. I don't know how f- familiar with kind of some dizziness. If I stand up too fast and things like that with like my, my, uh, my pulse. And so I've got some, some pots, um, and then I've had some retinopathy treatments in my eyes. Um, they're stable right now, which I'm really thankful for. But I think all things considered, um, considering how much time I probably spent in DKA between the ages of like 15 and 25, I feel lucky to not have any more serious complications. Yeah. Uh, POTS, by the way, somebody kindly called it POTS. POTS because it's postural 
orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. And that does yes. not that does not roll off the tongue. Are you taking beta blockers or anything like that? Nope, I'm not taking any beta blockers. Um I I noticed that just making like small kind of lifestyle changes really helps with that. Um there was a period once I got my blood sugars under better control where I was just like dizzy constantly, couldn't stand up without feeling like I wanted to pass out, you know, your pulse racing. And then I started just kind of getting more active. So going out and like going on hikes and just kind of like pushing through some of that. And that is actually what helped me the most. Hmm. Interesting. Um, How many? Yeah, and electrolytes. <laughs> electro, a lot of electrolytes. How many times do you think you were in DK in that decade? Um, I honestly, I don't, I don't know. Probably a lot. Um, uh, I remember over under 10, probably more than 10, more than once a year. Yeah. And yeah. was the DKA part of your management system? I once spoke to somebody privately who described their diabetes management as uh non-existent. Then I go to DKA, then the hospital brings me back. Then I go home, then I go back into DKA. Was that part of your cycle? I would say that I did not go to the hospital every time I was in DKA. Um, I, I feel like I was probably in DKA um, and would just treat myself with like a giant dose of, of insulin. Like I remember there was a period of time where I wouldn't do any insulin until I started to feel sick. And then I would just crank like 15 units on that Novolog pen and then inject myself and in, to bring those blood sugars back down. So I think I was in DK probably more than I or anybody else really realized at the time. Mm -hmm. I feel like I was almost living in this constant like bouncing between, you know, bringing myself back down and maybe somewhat normal blood sugars and then just eating whatever I wanted and not dosing and then going right back up into DK. I'm normally not this ham-fisted, Katie, but I don't want this moment to go by without the listeners really appreciating that what started out as you trying to avoid being low put you in a situation where you were using a massive amount of insulin that could have made you very low. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely scary looking back. Um, but I just remember that like I would be really sick and throwing up like, which is clearly DKA high blood sugar, throwing up sick and just would think, okay, I've got to get this blood sugar down. So I would just give myself a massive dose, but then I would go on continuing to eat, whatever I wanted, not testing. And so, um, I mean, so definitely some scary management. Yeah, tactics. Yeah, yeah. So here's some questions around that. Um, I'm now I've been talking to you for almost a half an hour. You're a bright person. So, and you sound like you have family around you or did you not by that point? No, I had, I had family around me. Um, my, my dad was definitely, I would say most involved with, with management. Um, he would kind of test me in the middle of the night when, after I was first diagnosed, um, he would be the one to kind of help me out with some of those things. But I think as I became a teenager, I just became really resistant to let anybody in. Um, and I didn't want people even asking me what my blood sugar was, or if they did, I would lie and just like, I felt like a, a failure and I felt like it was something I was never going to be able to to figure out. And so I just didn't want to 
ask for help or anybody to even know that I was struggling as badly as I was. And so I would just kind of deny, 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 lie about blood sugars. And, and that was how I was living as a teenager. Do you have a feeling for how much of that was your situation and how you felt and how much of that might've been because you were, because your mind is altered with the high blood sugars? Did you ever, do you ever think about that? Like, would you have, do you know what I mean? Like, because when your blood sugar gets high, you get surly and, you know, kind of short tempered and things like that. And like, was that like your normal? Yeah, that was kind of my normal. And I think looking back, my dad actually realized a lot of this, like he would call it the high blood sugar monster. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, realized that a lot of what I was experiencing and was so closely tied to the uncontrolled diabetes. Um, But I didn't want to think that way. Like I just, I never wanted to believe that it was affecting me as, as much as it was. Um, And so, you know, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have the ability to, to really think that through. I think that's something, that's something that gets lost in that conversation. I have an episode that isn't, isn't out yet, but was talking to a person whose whose husband had type one was not you know no semblance of management to to speak of really high blood sugars, and she would talk about the bad decisions he would make and all I could think while she was talking was like yeah I mean he probably was not in the right mindset to make a decision about anything, and and oh, yeah. we and we don't see that because like I think your story illustrates how slowly it comes over you it's almost like um, it's almost like a shadow. You know what I mean? When the sun's going down and it just kind of creeps across wherever you are and you don't realize it and all of a sudden you're in the dark. And it's just that's like that that slow death. Y- you know, um I think I think some snakes kill that way. They just get a hold of you and just slowly or what what's what's the uh what's the example people use? A uh, lobster in a pot, right? Or no, frog. The frog. You ever heard the frog thing, Katie? I'm sorry, it took me a while to get to it. Hey, everybody. BetterHelp is a sponsor of the podcast, and they're offering my listeners 10% off their first month of therapy. It's a great deal. I hope you can check it out. BetterHelp.com forward slash juicebox. Now, BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service that is 100% online. They have over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists. They can help you with a wide range of issues. All you have to do to get started is hit my link answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy, and that way BetterHelp will be able to match you with the right therapist from their network. BetterHelp.com forward slash juice box. You're going to get the same professionalism and quality as you expect from in-office therapy. And if for any reason your therapist isn't right for you, you can switch to a new one at no additional charge. Do therapy on your terms. Text, chat, phone, video call, And you can even message your therapist at any time and then schedule a live session when it's more convenient. So if you're looking for someone to talk to, check out BetterHelp. If you put a a frog in a pot of cold water and turn it on and the water slowly warms up and then boils, the frog will stay in there and die. But if you you throw a frog in a hot pot, it'll jump right out. I think that's what happened to you. I think you that it just slowly the water warmed up and you just didn't notice it happening 
And then by the time it was happening, it was too late. Except I, I'm trying to understand why, why was there not an opportunity for the people around you to say, hey, Katie, you went to the doctor and your A1C is 10. We need to do something. Did you push them yeah. away that harshly that they weren't able to do that? I mean, I think I did push my family away pretty harshly. Don't get me wrong. I, I was a very, I think, volatile and a little bit out of control teenager. Mm -hmm. um, so talking to me about diabetes in general was just difficult. And my dad certainly tried. I would say that my mom was definitely less involved um, and didn't really try and have any of those types of conversations with me. But I also think that and looking, looking back, I can't really blame my parents for anything because I don't even know if they had taken a different approach with me, like if anything would have worked, to be honest. I hear you. I don't know if anything really would have sh you know, shook me out of that kind of zombie state that I think I was living in for such a long time. Um, but I really think the, the mindset was like, like more of a disciplinary mindset regarding diabetes as much as like a supportive atmosphere. Mm -hmm. um, things were pretty volatile in my house growing up. Um, and just, I didn't have great structure at home. Um, Can you give me a, a tiny bit of feeling for what, what that was? I don't need like the deep personal, you know, secrets of your parents, but uh, what was happening? Yeah. So um, I, I mean, I would say that my mom in, in general is a pretty just unstable person and could be really harsh, um, could be kind of verbally abusive, um, could be just cold in general. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just, I don't really ever remember feeling like I had much support. Um, I think that my dad certainly tried to reach out every now and then to to help me. Um, but it was just, it was really difficult for me. There was constant arguing going on in my household. Um, it was just, I remember trying to lock myself away in my room so that I didn't have to just deal with kind of the, the craziness in the house. Right. Um, oh, so these were not people who in general were a rock that you would go to about anything, let alone something this confusing and, and, and deep. They, they, yeah, yeah, I would say my mom definitely wasn't. I can tell you right now that like I never felt like I could go to her with these types of problems. Um, I remember a couple of times trying to go to her with like different issues going on in my life and she would either like kind of ignore it and just change the subject because it made her uncomfortable or she would get mad or, or whatever it is. I just never felt like I could go to her with really anything. Um, and then I think my dad has much of like that that mindset of well just take care just just do it like just inject yourself with your insulin just test like i don't and really just wanting to more like control the situation versus like understand it and figure out like what's going on i think that he was um just it hurt him to watch me have such high blood sugars um, and instead of like trying to talk to me and really get to the bottom of what was happening and support me, he's like, just do it. Like, mm -hmm. just get your blood. Like, it's not that hard. So that was kind of, I think what I went through, um, 
at yeah. the time. Katie, um, your name is a bit of a giveaway because I can see your full name, but Catholic? Yes. Irish? Um, English? Think- your mom? Actually, uh, mom's side is Native American. Really? Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, I was just looking for, like, uh, a, you said cold, and I went to Irish. Sorry, Irish people. <laughs> That's from my own experience. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, and then dad's side is uh, Italian. Okay. So. And they just sort of, like, they were both ill-equipped in different ways. Yeah, I yeah. think so. And I, I think that my dad tried in his way, for sure. Like, he definitely tried in his way, but I just don't think that it was really what I needed at the time. I'm a you know, 14, 15 year old girl who's going through a lot and felt like was really depressed and dealing with just so much that I don't, I don't know if there was really anything that he could have said, but it, I just didn't feel like I had much support. That's all. Do you have a relationship with your mom now? No, no. Uh, Did you get no, anything out not- of this, Katie? Do you own a piece of a, a casino or anything? No, I don't own a piece of a casino or anything what? like that. You got screwed over, Katie. What the hell? I know. I know. I should go back and ask if I can. <laughs> Hi, my name's Katie, and I think I deserve some of this casino. Yeah, that, I think that would be uncomfortable if you're asking oh. me. Uh, but oh, I'm sorry. I think I said something stupid when you were about to say something serious about why you don't talk to your mom. Yeah. So um, actually her and my dad got divorced a couple years ago and that was really like kind of what sped up i guess that the end of that relationship between the two of us um we always had a really unstable relationship personally um i i think she struggles with kind of a lot of mental health issues still mm-hmm. um and potentially some borderline personality disorder gotcha. um but when they got divorced, it very much felt at least how I, how I felt it was, was that she expected me just to turn on my dad and tell her that, you know, I was 100% on her side and anything like, you know, can't talk to your dad. You shouldn't have a relationship with your, that's how it felt. She never necessarily said that, but she would call me yelling and screaming about, you know, this is what your dad did. And she really wanted to try and turn me against him. And um, that ultimately kind of led to the end of our relationship. I'm sorry. That sucks. Um, Okay. Did you have any mental health issues of your own aside from the eating thing? And by the way, when you said you had an eating disorder, what's the manifestation of that? Were you limiting food or were you limiting insulin to limit weight? Um, I was limiting insulin um, because... I would notice that if I would bring my blood sugars down, like I said before, I would kind of get this big puffed up feeling. And then as soon as I would get back up into the five or six hundreds, it's like all that water weight would just immediately drop. Hmm. Like, and you know, I mean, DKA, your body is basically starving itself. Like that's, that's what it is. Your body is is starving itself. And that is obviously a horrible, horrible way to deal with feelings of, of of not liking the way that you look. But Mm -hmm. that, that was at the time when I didn't really know any better. That's how I was dealing with it. And do you have, um, 
issues with how you appear? I think at the time I did, I mean, not anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I more would just notice like very small fluctuations in, in weight that would really bother me. Um, so even if I gained like five or 10 pounds or whatever it was, it impacted me in a really big way. Yeah, I hate to say it, but if you were on that thyroid medication, you might've had an easier time with that as well. Because, <laughs> Probably. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's just interesting how little mistakes from a doctor or misunderstandings about things, you know, because you, you start using insulin again, you're probably eating not healthy, I would imagine, because you could probably eat whatever you wanted while you weren't using insulin and it wasn't affecting your, your body weight. So now you're eating all this food I'm imagining and using insulin and gaining weight very quickly because of that. And that by the way is it's one of the reasons why you hear people have the misconception that insulin makes you gain weight because yeah, Calories make you gain weight, not insulin. And and yeah. but people confuse that because it's how they see it. I started using more insulin. I gained weight. Well, Katie's story illuminates that perfectly. How did you? Um, why are you so normal, or are you pretending to be right now? What's happening? Am I am I normal? I don't think I'm normal. Well, I mean, you're fairly normal, Katie. We're t- I talk to a lot of people, and they're all lovely. On some spectrum of lovely. I've never met a person on the show that I thought like, oh, that's a terrible person. <laughs> but um, but you're having a very cogent, reasonable conversation about people who were really hurtful to you and you're not lashing out at them, like you're not, you know, treating them the way your mom would have treated them. Um, you know, you're you're being well measured and thoughtful, you're seeing their side of the things. Like what wh- and but you described yourself as like um a volatile teen. How, yeah. did you, how did you get from there to here? Um, well, to start with, I think that if you had maybe talked to me a couple of years ago, I probably wouldn't have been as objective as I am now about the situation with my mom. I haven't talked to her in a couple of years. And so I think just time and space has kind of given me um, the distance to really settle down in that regard. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, I kind of see it is what it is. Yeah, I don't want you to like say oh, this is terrible, but I've been thinking this for the last 15 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want to say this out loud, but getting away from your mom fixed your life. Yes. In some regards, yes. In other regards. In, in, in a lot of regards, yes, actually. I would say I would say that that decision really improved my overall mental health. It improved the other relationships in my life. Um, And it gave me the, the space to really almost understand her better and see the ways that that relationship was negatively impacting me. Cause Mm -hmm. it, it was, I mean, I was dealing with almost like I was dealing with arguments with her on almost a daily basis and like certain behaviors that frankly, like you shouldn't have to deal with as a child, like as a child, I mean, not necessarily that I was a child, but as her child, things that I was dealing with that just shouldn't have ever um, been happening. Was there a lot of, um, I hate this word, but I'm going to just use it here because it fits. Did she gaslight you a lot? Or did you find yourself in arguments where you're like, vehemently defending something that later if you step back and thought like none of that was even real what we were just talking about like oh gosh yeah like i remember she she 
dug through like my phone records and banking statements, trying to find like basically proof that I was talking to my dad or talking to my grandma and then to use all this stuff against me. And like she, once this kind of divorce started, it really triggered a lot of these behaviors that I think we all lived with and saw um, for a long time, but it just seemed like it escalated everything. Um, And so I just, there was a moment for me where I was recently engaged. Me and my now husband had just gotten engaged and we were driving back from a great weekend of telling his family. And we were just like on cloud nine um, and in the car and her calling me and just screaming because she saw on my phone records that I had called my grandmother. Um, And she thought that I was, you know, talking to my grandma about her trying to talk bad about her when I'm sitting there and I'm like, I just was calling my grandma. Like I'm just talking to my grandma. Like I don't understand. And you know, the, the volatile, the screaming and the yelling and just my husband pulling over the car at the time and he put it in park and walked over to the, to the passenger door, opened the door, grabbed the phone, hung it up and gave me a hug and was like, you don't need to deal with that. Oh, right now. he loves you, Katie. I thought he, he were going to say he walked around the side of the door, opened the door, got me out and said, I can't take this. I'll see you later. And no, drove away. No, no, no. <laughs> Like, I, I, it, I, I might have been like, oh, my God, I, I picked the wrong girl if I'm if I'm if I'm, no. if I'm if I'm if I'm hooked to this lady on top of that. Oh, but no, look at him. So very nice. There's one of those great moments where, you know, you met the right person. Yeah, no, yeah. One, completely. And I remember him being kind of what would bring me back down in those situations because he would hang up the phone, give me a hug and just be like, this isn't this isn't fair. Like, yeah that that isn't okay the the way that she's talking to you and we're this is such a happy time in our lives and you know let's just not deal with that right now and me being really thankful for him stepping in in certain situations and making me feel like I wasn't crazy because frankly dealing with someone like like that can make you sometimes feel like you're crazy so this is the next thing on my list right i make notes as we're talking and mm-hmm. and I was going to say, like you said, you dealt with mental health issues, but I mean, was it a situation where you actually had your own concerns or was it the idea of like, if you lock me in a cage with a tiger and I cry, you, you don't get to think I have a mental health issue because I'm crying. It's because I'm locked in a cage with a tiger. So like, no, no, I think I, I mean, I think some of, some of those mental health issues definitely stemmed from that relationship. But I think um, like the depression and other things that I dealt with really stemmed from me not taking care of my diabetes and the fear that I had around like what that would mean for me and feeling like really hopeless, like for the longest time for basically an entire decade, I just felt hopeless. Like Mm -hmm. I was never going to get, you know, my blood sugar's down. I couldn't do it. I was going to die at a young, I hear about all these complications sure, sure. and just thinking that this is my life. Like I'm going to feel sick for the rest of my life and there's nothing that I can do to dig myself out of this hole. Um, and then also like seeing that impact all of my relationships because the people around you, as much as you can try and hide it from people, like they know, I mean, at least my, my dad and a lot of the people who are close in close to me in my life mm-hmm. they could see it i mean you can smell dka you can see it on someone's face and so 
as much as they would try and help me, like I just would not let anybody in. Yeah. Well, and, and not for nothing too, Katie, like you're going to probably, you thinking of having kids? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there'll be a day when this is going to make more sense to you than it might right now. But, um, a lot of that blame shifts to your parents. Like, I mean, I understand your mom seems limited in a number of ways and that maybe she's not a person you can count on, but still she's the person you had to count on. And she, she wasn't there. And your dad is obviously going through a lot. I don't think that his life, like dealing with what you're describing sounded super exciting. Um, but it's still his job to push past all that and help you, you know? And, and so you get let down a couple of times here and then there's the yelling and the craziness and then you feel crazy. And then there's the realization that your health is, you know, tenuous at best. You look up, no one's going to help you. You've tried to do something. It didn't work out. I mean, yeah, you're depressed, but I mean, I think you probably should be. You, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, and do you, so do you not have that depression anymore? No. Um, I would say that once the diabetes kind of, got under control, a lot of these issues went away for me. Um, And then, you know, I've got a great relationship with my dad now. So um, once, I don't know, it seemed like once the diabetes got under control, everything else really just clicked into place in my life. Yeah. Um, I met my husband maybe six months after I first decided, like, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm getting this under control. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really was a matter of, I got scared to the point where I decided that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. Um, and I got on an insulin pump. Um, my A1C started very slowly going down, but you know, it, it did get down. Um, and then things really just started to get easier for me in general. It's amazing. It's really cool. And you, and you, and you're, I mean, the thing about the depression just sticks with me. Like, I don't know how you wouldn't be depressed in that situation is what I'm saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, um, are you, Hmm. I'm sorry. I have a question here. I'm trying to phrase it. Do you think that the rest of your life is going to, significantly look different than the first part? Oh, I know the yeah, I know what it will. And do you see what your dad must have been going through? Yes, which is I think why I now look back and understand um I understand his his actions and his mindset at the time more than I did before. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I ultimately think that even for my mom as well, I think everybody was just scared for me and they didn't really know how to handle that. Um, so, yeah. And by the way, I don't think all the time that that lack of help from people is an indication of apathy. I do just mm-hmm. think sometimes people are just in over their heads. And, yeah. and, you know, then there are other influences making the minutes of their day untenable. And then, yeah. and then, you know, before you know it, you think, well, we'll fix it or it'll get better. Or, you know, like maybe, 
maybe she'll grow out of it or like, who knows what you think? Like, ho- yeah. you're just hoping you're going to wake up the next day to a different situation. Does yeah. You- and I think to be honest, I think that having my mom in the house, the entire house feel really like just not a, not a great place. Like my dad was dealing with a lot. Yeah. He was dealing with a lot. So is as much as I can go back and say, Oh, he should have done this or, or done that. It's really hard for me to place any blame there. Did anyone ever try to help your mom? Like yeah. professionally? <laughs> yeah. Um, and my, my dad, I mean, spent the last however many years of their marriage trying to, to help her. And um, it just seemed like nothing ever really got through to her, I guess. Do you ever speak to him about it? Does he feel, I, I can, excuse me. I can imagine even though you've tried everything and it's obvious it's not going to work because the other person's resistant, mm-hmm. you still might feel badly. Is that the right word? Like that you, that you weren't able to come through for them. Do you think he ever has that? Has he ever spoken about it? Come through for me You're, or for, no, I'm, for, I'm asking about your mom first, but then I was going to move over. I, I don't think so. I think both me and him look back on it thinking that Everybody tried everything that they could. Yeah. Um, and that's really all you can all you can do. Sure. And <laughs> so, and it took me it took me a long time to make peace with the fact that I was going to end that relationship with her, and that I I did everything that I could to try and improve things between us, and that I just was never going to get there. I think it helps to realize that you can't expect something from a person that they don't have to give. Yeah. That that's yep. very helpful. Sometimes your uh, my last question about your mom was there any like drug use? Um, no, no, no drug use. Um, she did use, I think, alcohol to to cope mm-hmm. s- somewhat. Um, so there was definitely some alcohol use there. Um, but hmm. but no, no drug use. Okay. All right. So why'd you want to come on the show to tell people, look, I started in a hole that was 50 feet deep and I made it out. Is that what you, <laughs> cause I assume that's what you want to say, but uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think so. And then I started listening to your podcast maybe eight months ago. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I do want to say that I was already digging myself out of the hole when I came across your podcast. So I had been on an instant, insulin pump and really trying to get my, my blood sugars down. And I think maybe my A1C was seven and a half when I started listening to your podcast. Uh, you had a nice reduction already then. That's amazing. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. and my last one was 6.5. So it's you. still going down. Um, so I'm, I feel pretty proud of, you know, being well in the sixes now. Nice. That, I mean, um, you should, you should be I mean, you should be proud. It's a it's a hell of an accomplishment, especially from where you started, you know. So, um, but I guess when I started listening to your podcast, I started from the beginning, and then I got to the bold beginning series and like binge listened to all of those, and just found so much of it so helpful. And I think it really helped me get from like seven point five into the sixes. Just because there were a lot of things that I I learned that, um, that I implemented like every day, um, so just wanted to I, say that I appreciate you telling me. Actually, the irony of you saying that is that four hours ago I had a phone call with one of the advertisers who asked if 
um, they were they're putting a a one sheet in doctor's office. It's just a you know like a an information sheet, and mm-hmm. they wanted to know if they could use the Bull Beginning series on the one sheet. And I oh. and I don't know if it's going to work out or not. I think it's going to. Just sort of why I'm talking around it right now because we haven't like like dotted the I's and crossed the T's or anything like that yet. But I think that's going to happen. And it's just it's when they were talking about it, I thought, oh, I love that series, and that'll definitely help. But then you get a little like I don't know, self con like self something. Like I'm like, oh, I hope that's okay. And then just to hear you say that today makes me feel so much better about about the idea of doing that. So I'm, oh, I'm I think that's a that's a great idea. Cool. Um, yeah. Well, I'm super happy it helped you. It's terrific, honestly. Uh, yeah. How involved is the husband with the diabetes? Oh, he's great. He's super involved. Um, like he is just all the support in the world that I could could ask for. Um, so he doesn't by any means like overstep or anything like that. But if I ever need any support, I can ask him for any help that I need. And he's, he's there, he's on it. So I remember even a couple nights ago, just being like, I really don't want to deal with my blood sugars tonight. I knew that it was going to be a tough night and that my blood sugars were running a little bit higher than usual. Mm -hmm. And I had had, you know, high, high carb, high protein meal. And I knew I was going to have to be probably correcting into like three or 4am in the middle of the night. And he was like, Hey, why don't you just give me your PDM and I'll, I'll wake up and I'll correct you if, if I need to. Mm-hmm. That's nice. So yeah, he's, he's basically as good as it gets. Yeah. Did you like make breakfast or do anything like as a thank you? Oh yeah. No, he's, um, I, I do probably 95% of the cooking in our house. <laughs> oh, then you don't owe him a thank you at all. <laughs> no. I'm like, he, he can't, he can't really even make eggs. So I, I'm sure the next day I made probably something. <laughs> if he could take care of your blood sugar, he could figure out how to make eggs. I think he's, he's slow playing you on the, I can't cook thing. My, my, my son was like, I can't cook the whole time he lived here. He moved out and, uh, it's like a weekend later, and he and he FaceTimes. He's asking me a question about food. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just preparing meals for the week. I was like, you son of a bitch. I was like, <laughs> he's like, he's making chicken and broccoli and rice. He's like, I'm packing it up in these things, and I'm just going to take it to lunch. To and I'm like, you could have cooked. <laughs> it's like, I think, he, I think you're just getting snowballed. You know what I mean? Like, there's no, <laughs> the guy, he can cook a little. He's like, oh, look at me. I'm so bad with eggs. Help me, Katie. <laughs> you know, I I thought maybe, but I don't I don't think so. He's I just thought terrible. it was our, our third date. He tried to make chicken Alfredo and it was just the worst thing I've ever eaten. <laughs> well what 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 kept you around? Earning potential? Why'd you come back for the fourth date? Um, you know, he's Outside of his cooking skills, he's he's basically the perfect perfect person for me. He's gotcha. just a, he's a rock. He's everything that I really feel like I missed um, throughout my childhood and teenage years. He's uh, very stable, very cool, calm and collected, supportive, yeah. understanding, and funny. And he's he's great. He's great. He ought to thank your mom. She set that bar really low for you. <laughs> <laughs> You're like he doesn't yell. He's terrific. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, 
Well, and he, he also, I'm not working right now. So, and he works full time. So, I mean, it's the least I can do is take care of the house. Right. Katie, I hear what you're saying. You got a sucker on the line. I got you. Don't worry. It's perfect. That's what I would do too. Actually, I was a stay at home dad for 20 years. So I'm with you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, I, I'm just seriously. I'm so happy for you that you met somebody and that you could have that new experience that isn't the one that you had had so, so frequently before and that you got to reshape the experience with your father. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. that's really nice as well. You know? Yeah. Do you think, yeah. so here's the big question. Do you must, do you ever think about who am I going to be when I'm a parent? Like, am I going to be the one that rebels against what happened to me? Or am I going to be the one who does the thing and doesn't even realize they're doing it? Did you ever worry about that? Um, yeah. So I think probably from a pretty young age, I started, started having that conversation with myself of like, if I become a parent one day, what type of parent am I going to be? Um, that's definitely something that I want to be very conscious of like deciding, deciding how I'm going to parent and what I'm going to take the good from some of the things that I, I learned, like take what happened to me and take what happened, the family dynamics and, and really become a better person for it. Yeah. Good for you. So, well, I mean, just, I, I would tell you as a person who grew up in a, a sometimes unstable situation that, um, there are times you'll, you'll do things and it's going to be up to that guy that you married to look at you and go, Hey, that's not what you want to be doing right now. And it's hard oh, yeah. not to like, it's hard not to, it's hard to hear it sometimes if it happens to you. I hope it doesn't happen to you, but it, it, I used to yell when I, when the kids were younger, I would yell about things and my wife would be like, why are you yelling? And I'm like, I, I don't, I'm not. And she's like, oh, you definitely are. <laughs> and I, and I just realized like I was yelled at constantly as a child. And well, so, and what's you know, great is that he's totally that person who, who would be able to do that. Yeah. So, well, that's excellent. That's wonderful, actually. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to? Um, I don't think so. Um, I just want to also maybe I guess mention that I just started on the Omnipod Five after okay. listening to your podcast. So that was an awesome step for me. Um, I started in, in October. Um, and your podcast is what got me looking into it. Thank you. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Plus, allow me to take this moment to say, see Omnipod? The ads work. Let's, uh, you know, let's keep going, baby. Not that they're not. They're very, they're lovely partners, actually. Uh, I was um, vamping just now, killing time. Mm-hmm. So that I could tell you that I just got an email 29 minutes ago. It starts off, uh, Scott, I was introduced to Juicebox Podcast six months ago after starting on the Omnipod 5. And your episodes about Omnipod 5 helped me quite a bit. Goes on and on. She says a lot of lovely things that would be self-serving for me to continue to keep reading. I just wanted to uh, ask you, Katie, if you tried the Omnipod 5 episodes that I have up to get started with. Yep, I sure have. Um, Once I... Once I knew that I was going to be able to get it and it kind of went through my insurance and everything, I binge listened to all of those Omnipod 5 episodes and <laughs> made sure that I you know, got as much knowledge as I could before I started on it. It's very important how you set up your algorithms when you, when you begin. I mean, Omnipod 5 is what we're talking about, but the truth is 
any of them. I don't care if you're looping or using control IQ or Omnipod five or whatever, like bad settings will lead to, to outcomes that you don't want. So, uh, episode 736, 737, 738 are, um, about setting up your Omnipod five. Well, and I was, um, on the 670G, the two slim and now the, so I've been on kind of three of the main insulin pumps in the market right now. <laughs> taking a tour. <laughs> yeah. Taking a little tour, um, well, started on the 670 G and quickly changed my mind about that one. And then I was on the two slim for a while, mm-hmm. um, before recently switching over. What's interesting. What made you go from control IQ to Omnipod five? Uh, mainly the, the tubeless aspect um, I guess when I got the T-Slim, my biggest concern about the Omnipod was that it just wasn't quite as smart or the algorithm wasn't as advanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was the main reason that I started on the T-Slim. The and then the tubeless, or I guess the tubing ended up being more of a deterrent than I expected it to be. I really felt like, especially because I've, I've been running a lot recently, I'm a runner, mm-hmm. and so... Um, for certain like athletic type things, it's much easier with the Omnipod. Cool. That's excellent. Uh, I imagine like from my perspective, that's how I imagine it, that people might've been like, you know, a year ago, like, well, listen to control IQ has an algorithm. I'm going to go with that. Mm -hmm. But I wish I had, you know, but it's interesting how that wasn't like, you didn't think about the tubeless part until you were on a tube pump. And then you were like, I wish I didn't have tubing. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's interesting. Listen, it, not for nothing. I'm sure control IQ works great for a lot of people. Um, but, uh, but it's interesting what becomes important to, to people along the way. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm happy for you. I'm glad it's working well. You're happy with it. I'm really happy with it. It's been, it's been great so far. Um, I've had a pretty decent a one C reduction with that. Um, and you know, I'm not forgetting my insulin pump anymore which happened to me a lot uh with the t-slim i'd you know unplug it to take a shower or unplug it to change or whatever it was and like forget it somewhere it actually happened on on the night before my wedding for the rehearsal dinner i like left it laying on the bed in the hotel so Mm. um, katie you would think that people listen to the ads and think oh he made that up when i say you could disconnect to take a shower and then forget to put it back on and potentially you know you know, you could go into DKA, you know, like, or anything in between or end up at your wedding rehearsal without the ability to bolus. Uh, but point is, is that really happens to people like, because yeah. yeah. And you're, and you're a seasoned, like you've had diabetes for freaking ever. So it's not like you, you know, you weren't new at it and forgot your pump play in there. Just happens. Nope. Yeah. Oh, and I probably hadn't forgotten it for years before that night, but of course, you know, yeah. that night was, <laughs> Well, I'm not saying that every time you get out of the shower, people are like, I forgot, like, you know, but it's stuff that can happen. I'm sure every doorknob didn't rip out your infusion set, but the time it happened, I bet you were like, son of a bitch. And so, (laughs) you know, stuff happens at inopportune times, uh, most, most of the time. Well, I, um, I can't tell you, uh, uh, being serious, like this is a very kind thing for you to share because I don't imagine that your story is that uncommon. And yet you are the first person in nearly 900 episodes to say these things to me. Like the, I thought it was very brave of you to speak about your family dynamics the way you did. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I think 
I'm really, as much as it was hard at the time, like I'm really thankful for the place that I'm at right now in my life. Mm -hmm. And as much as I can look back and wish that I had changed certain things. And obviously if I could, you know, snap my fingers and had could have taken better care of myself during all those years. Who's to say that even if I had, I wouldn't be dealing with the same thing 10 years from now, or like, I don't know if I would be the place where I'm at now if I hadn't gone through what I did. Yeah. I don't don't think you want to play. What if with that, you know, it's just, (laughs) there's no good that's going to come out of that. Uh, I mean, everybody's path is, is different. You know, we all don't get to be a, I don't know, a Kardashian. Not that I guess I wouldn't really want to be one of those, but I mean, the point is this thing, you know, like I think everybody thinks their life's going to be magical and, and it'll be easy and fun and, you know, fruitful. And, and then when the realities come to pass, it's, uh, it's what you do, right. And how you respond and, and what you do next. And you, you've just, I mean, for being on your own, you I mean, there's part of me that thinks, Katie, I don't know how you didn't die in a ditch. And there's part of me that thinks, like, I can't believe she accomplished. Like, I think you have a secret you haven't shared with me yet, but I'm not, but probably not, huh? Just worked out. I think I, I think I finally kind of hit rock bottom at one point and just told myself that, you know, and I guess I, I got, I got scared enough. So, and is, is, crazy as that sounds, that's, that's what happened. And I just told myself, okay, no more, we're not doing this anymore. So, you know, I'm ha- I'm happy that, that I was able to dig myself out of that hole, but it definitely, it took a lot of work. So, well, I imagine, yeah, I imagine it was um, a lot of effort and probably a lot of fits and starts and things that felt like failures along the way and not a lot of not giving up, I would bet. Yeah. But also, I mean, I think Looking back, I had to unlearn the mindset that certain blood sugars are bad or are good. Or if I, you know, today, if I see a blood sugar of 300, I'm not going to harp on myself and say, you know, oh, I just shouldn't, shouldn't look at my Dexcom. I just, you know, don't want to deal with this. Like, no, I had to learn that it's okay that your blood sugars are going to go high. Just deal with it when it happens. See it, fix it, and just move on. Yeah, and none of that self-flagellation, right? Like you see the number and then you spend a month being upset at yourself over it and ignoring it the whole time instead of just going, all right, well, my blood sugar got out of hand today. I'm going to fix this and I'll get back to it. That'll be that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really just like a mindset of almost perfectionism, just thinking that, oh, if my blood sugar goes high, then I just can't do it at all. Like, so I really had to out of, out of that mindset that that if it isn't always perfect that it's just going to always be bad. Well, it, th- there's that saying, like let's see if I can do better <clears throat> with this saying than I did with the frog in the pot analogy because that I really I mean, Katie, I sh- bet on that one like three times. I'm going to use it. <laughs> well, it's a great analogy had I gotten it out the first time and not fumfered through it and uh, and screwed it up and almost used a, a lobster in my reference for some reason, I don't know. Um, but, uh, what do they say? The enemy of good is perfect or something like that, you know? Yes. Yeah. And so uh, maybe it's the enemy of good enough. Oh Christ. Am I going to Google this late in the pot? All right. Why not? I'll Google the enemy of great is good. The enemy of good is perfect. I guess people say it a lot of different ways. Um, it just means that when you're you can't put yourself in a position where if it's not perfect, I'm not going to do it. 
mm-hmm. you know, and then and you don't look back later and say, oh, gosh, I did this thing and it didn't work out right. I, I, I will just I'll use the podcast as an example. Like, I didn't know what I was doing, Katie, when I started making this podcast. Like, I didn't I didn't I'd never owned a microphone in my life. I never recorded my voice. I didn't have the right computer. I didn't have any of the hardware I needed. I didn't have I had nothing and I didn't know what I was doing. And I just did it, and I was like, that was all right. And then I think I'd like to do it like this. Maybe this would make it a little better. And I adjusted on the move, and I never beat myself up over what I did the day before. I never looked back and went, oh, I should have asked this, or I shouldn't have done that, or I shouldn't have made that stupid joke. Or like, I don't even care. Like, like I know what the podcast does. I know the importance of it, and I support it no matter what. And I learn, and I change, and I adapt as I go. And had I not had that attitude, if I would have said it's got to be right before I start, then it never would have been right. And I never would have started. Yeah. That, well, it. and that's how you do end up, you know, perfecting certain things and getting things, you know, great. Yeah. The, podcast yeah right. clearly evolved over time and it's turned into something that's amazing for the, the community. So you're saying something nice to me. But what I'm going to say is like the irony is, is that it is the imperfection that leads to better. Mm-hmm. You can't imagine perfection. You don't even know what it is. Like, you, right? Like, so you're like, you're trying to make something perfect when you don't even know what that means. And then the idea of like, this will be embarrassing or it'll be a waste of time or it'll be, it's not the case. Like, you should just get up in the morning and just go. And yep. what happens, happens, and you learn and you grow and you build. That's it. All right. Yep. Just like that dead frog or the live one, which. <laughs> I guess the live one learned. Katie, it doesn't That's a matter. Called dead frog. <laughs> I'm so close to calling this after dark dead frogs. <laughs> I, w- I can't wait for you to explain that to your husband. You're like, listen, the title has nothing to do with me. The guy's an idiot, but we did have a lovely conversation and he made me Great laugh. Yeah. Yeah. And he made me laugh. So like, excited. But- he's so excited to listen. And he, he always listens to the podcast in the car with me. So he's thrilled that I um, am doing this today. He got out, he left. He's like, I'm going to leave for the whole day. And you just set everything up and have fun and call me once it's done. He's just, he loves your podcast also. So, oh, that's, that's very nice of him to support you and listen to it like that. I mean, I do make it easy because it's a wonderful podcast, but that's not the point. It's very nice of him to support you. Are we local to each other, Katie? I, I haven't had lunch yet. You want to go get lunch? Are we anywhere near each other? I, oh, you're in Texas. I don't know. I'm in Texas. Are you in Texas? No, I'm not in Texas. Never mind. Okay. We so can't. then probably not. We can't. I'm not flying there to have a meal. That's for certain. <laughs> Although I would. Hey, that'd be a cool get giveaway, wouldn't it, Katie? That would be a pretty cool giveaway. I think you just found your next idea. How would I do that? Think about it, Katie. Let's think together for a second. You're a bright person. Um, Are we talking about like a, a, a raffle? Yeah. What do I do with the money? Can I buy something cool with it? Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't have to give it to a charity, do I? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> cool. I don't want to do that. That's easy. <laughs> I, th- I want to keep the money, Katie. <laughs> okay, hold on a second. So let's think about this realistically. I fly to where you are and we have a meal and we spend an evening together. All right. right. Okay. And you, and it's a raffle you buy into. Okay. It's a hundred dollars for a raffle ticket. I give half the money away to a charity. So nobody like 
talks about like half seems like a lot, but a little bit of the money away. <laughs> a little but nobody bit of, calls you selfish. Yeah, I don't want to be called names. Okay. Um, and so let's say a hundred people put in a hundred dollars, that'd be ten thousand dollars. So we gotta yeah. pay for airfare, I gotta get put up somewhere. I have to have some security with me because one of you like I don't want Katie's mom to win the lottery. You know what I mean? Because she's gonna hear this and like come Trust after me. Trust me, she's not listening to this. <laughs> Trust me. Oh, uh, that would be too supportive, right, Katie? Um, so oh. so I gotta make so I gotta I gotta get airfare out of it in a hotel, something like that, and then and then what if we made it a tier? So like if a hundred people did it, then I would just come do it as a personal thing. But if we could get a thousand people to do it. Hold on a second. Well, now we're talking. Now we're talking a lot of money. And now maybe I could do a thing when I arrived at a place. Like instead of a dinner, maybe it would be like um, like a like a like a like a an event of some sort. All that right. could be fun. And then I, and then for that much money, I could probably cover everybody's food too. Yeah. All right, Katie. We'll think about this. Thousand people is a lot. There's no way I could get a thousand. Five hundred people? I I don't know. You've got a pretty big platform. I think there would be people willing to to buy those tickets. Katie, I think I'm not I'm I don't think I'm monetizing this well enough. That's <laughs> what I just taught myself <laughs> with that calculator. It's how, for charity. It's for charity. How about if I start doing a thing for like five dollars a month where you get access to like unedited like episodes where it's just like cursing and whatever? also think about you know what else i was thinking about today katie do you want to help me produce the show for a minute before we hang out yes i was thinking about doing like a like a bitch session series and not edit like no no like people can curse if they want or whatever and let people come on and really complain about diabetes i think it might be cathartic oh that would be great like really like ranting and raving about it like just going like like just being really like I don't know. There's part of me that you're thinks that have, would be good. You're going to have diabetic spouses all over the country thanking you for that. Because oh, they don't have to listen to the, compl- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the complaints. <laughs> um, I was thinking about that. And I was also thinking about, mm, actually, I'm going to definitely do that. So I'm not going to say that out loud on the podcast because someone will rip me right off. So I'm not letting that happen. Um, okay. We'll figure this out. Would it be a cruise? No. Nobody wants to do a cruise, right? Actually, I don't want to be in a bathing suit in front of all of you. Forget that. (laughs) Are cruises still a thing after COVID? I mean, yeah, that's where you go to get COVID still. (laughs) It's still readily available on a cruise ship. (laughs) Let's not put a bunch of immunocompromised people. (laughs) On a cruise ship? You think that's a poor idea? Maybe, maybe. Let's Could, let's keep thinking on it. Katie, what if what if we forget the whole thing and people just like a thousand people just send me a hundred dollars? Wouldn't that be better? <laughs> I mean, sure. That that'd be great. And then don't but... worry, I'll find something good to do with the money, I promise. You you have fun advertising that. Do, do you know I tried once to get a giveaway? I actually did try to get a giveaway through us I don't want to say who this was, through somebody, and their attorneys wouldn't let it happen. And the idea was we were going to do like a raffle and then I would live at your house for a weekend and help you with your diabetes stuff. If the, if you won the oh. raffle, but the, and the attorneys wouldn't go, the for attorneys it? said that they could not do that. So what was the reason? Were they, were they worried? Uh, 
it's because of the nature of their business. You can't be seen as enticing people to do something. Okay. So it's hard for me to be more specific than that, but a monetary um, prize is not legal. So that ends up being the problem. I think you've done though. I feel like I I heard a podcast where you've done that. I guess uh, the prize of basically getting to like text you or ask certain questions about diabetes. Yeah, that's fun. That I'll do. But I'm talking about a big thing where I fly to a place and then I get there and we do a whole thing together. But then you know what'll happen? I'll get COVID and like some kid will get COVID and like their little head will fall off or something and then they'll be mad at me. I don't want anybody being mad at me. A head? Did you say a head will fall off? Yeah, your head could fall off if you get sick or something. You know, from COVID. Katie, you don't know anything about medicine, obviously. But yeah, your that head must be a new off. symptom of COVID that I'm unaware of. Yeah, your head just falls off. Yeah, <laughs> could happen. Just clunk. Oh, just yeah. you know, like thumps and it just it hits and it's rolling around. And do you think you would see it? No. If no. your head fell off and it started rolling around, would you see the? No, you'd be dead already, right? Yeah. All right. Well, let's not try to make sense of ridiculous things. That's that's a waste of time. Anyway, I still one day I feel like I'm going to do this. Imagine if Jenny and I showed up at your house, just like surprise, ring the doorbell. Yeah. Oh, that'd be crazy! Like you won the raffle, but nobody told you. What if if like everyone who entered the raffle was just on Saturday morning thinking it might be me and the like Ellen DeGeneres? Does she do that? She's done that, yeah, where she just, like, shows up at people's houses. Did she also beat up her staff or something or yell at them or something like that? Yeah, maybe don't do that. But... I, can't. I don't have a staff. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't do that. But you, you could show up at people's houses. Okay. By the way, I don't know anything about Ellen DeGeneres, so I'm not saying she did that. Um, okay. So we do a give. All right. So I do a raffle, and the raffle's a certain amount of money. And you could win that I surprise ass show up at your house on a certain day and we hang out for the whole day together. And yeah. and if it, and if we double the price, Jenny shows up too. Jenny's great. You should definitely include Jenny. There's no reason to say Jenny's great. I'm great. Jenny's fine. Just relax. We don't need to. No, Jenny's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny's, fine. Jenny's horrible. Yeah, I don't even like Jenny. She's not horrible, but I don't know why you got to speak well of her while we're talking about me. It just takes the sunshine away. No, I'm just kidding. Jenny's terrific. And yeah, so like, like what would that be? $200? No, that's a lot of money. $100 is reasonable. You enter into the drawing. And blah, blah, blah. Maybe we like, uh, I don't know. All right, I'll figure it out. This sounds like something that's never going to happen, Katie. Brainstorm on it. All Brainstorm right. on it. I'll see what I come up with. We'll put your husband in charge. He seems like he's a, he's a decent guy. Oh, yeah. He'd, so. he'd have some ideas for you. Would he really? Probably. I need, what I need is hours, Katie. I need hours in the day. <laughs> um, I got this email today from this company and they're like, do you want us to edit your podcast for you? And I was like, mm, no, I don't want that. Uh, but uh, there's part of me that was like, yes, I do very much want somebody else to edit my podcast. But they were like, I don't know. I just, I'm not doing it, but it sounded very attractive for a couple of minutes. I, I don't want to pay it for that. You understand, Katie? I, I, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's extra time in your day, but you probably like things done the way that you like things done, right? Also, I'm old. What am I going to do with extra time? Seriously. How how is uh, Arden doing? 
Uh, she's good. She's doing really well in school, getting good grades, and yeah, uh, a lot of her projects are turning out really well. Um, she's all sent off to college, right? I haven't listened to some of the more recent podcasts, but I figure you've got a little bit of extra time now that now that she has flown the nest. I do. I do have extra time. She's a little like had a little lower stomach pain this week. She was talking about which we are still trying to figure out, um, like cramping maybe. Uh, but other than that, she's been doing terrific. And, um, like the work she's doing, cause this is a big thing she did. Uh, not as a person who spent a lot of time being artistic as a child, she went to, you know, basically to art school. And, uh, I just saw a pastel that she did that was really terrific. So she's, uh, she's really immersed herself in it and she's taking it very seriously and teaching herself. So, um, very cool. Yeah, she's doing great. I won't tell her that you asked because she'll say, please tell your people not to think about me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Hold on one second for me, okay? Okay. I really appreciate Katie coming on the show today and being so open and honest. Thank you so much, Katie. And I want to thank BetterHelp and remind you that at betterhelp.com forward slash juicebox, you can and will save 10% on your first month of therapy. If you're looking for community around type 1 diabetes, check out the private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. And for the Diabetes Pro Tip series, the Bold Beginning series, the Finding Diabetes, and all of the management series within the podcast, check out juiceboxpodcast.com, look in the menu at the top, or go into the feature tab in the private Facebook group. There are lists of them everywhere. There's going to be something you're looking for. Go check it out.